Mahomes, timing route, down the sideline, it's caught, touchdown! Brady pumps, looking for Brown deep, and throwing for Brown. He's got it at the 30, the 20, the 10, the Patriots have won! Welcome back to the second episode of Off-Season Weekly, the new series from Touchdown Tom and Will. Uh, basically talking to you about the off-season, looking at trades leading up to the start of the season, looking at workouts, any news stories that need our attention while making a few predictions for next year as well. Tom, how's your week been? Yeah, not too bad. Enjoy, enjoying the sun at the moment. And it's sort of getting back towards normal. I've been out and about a little bit. Work started for me and my brother who lives in the flat with me. So it seems to be getting back to a sort of new normal. And yeah, it seems like with the, back, with the return of the Premier League, sports coming back as well and with obviously the start of off-season weekly as well gets me very excited for for in incoming upcoming sports yeah sports sports coming back in the states as well they finally agreed a start date for the baseball season that should have been going on all through lockdowns so that's coming back the nba's tournament in florida that's coming up soon uh so everything's kind of edging back towards just hopefully it can do safely and we don't have you know another lockdown if it doesn't go right but it seems like the right precautions are being taken and we're we're getting back to some sort of normal. I actually don't know your opinion on this, Tom, but quickly, the crowd noise in the Premier League. I like it. Yeah, no, I'm definitely... I play, I play it with crowd noise just because without, it does have that, that feeling of a training game too much. It does, it does. I, and I think to try I, and fool myself. Agreed. And I, I, um, I remember when the BBC showed one of the Korean games when Korean football first came back. And the way Korea did it was it was just kind of a low hum of crowd noise all the way through. But I actually think the technology they've used for the Prem, where you almost even get a gasp of a missed shot and you know, a louder cheer with the goal, actually works fairly well. And maybe it's because I'm used to playing FIFA where you get the same thing. But <laughs> no, I, think, I think the real heroes of this sort of re-emergence of sport are the sound mixers. Honestly, yeah. it's an incredible job they're doing. Absolutely. And the good thing about you in off-season weekly NFL is that you don't need much to happen to have a huge amount to talk about. And <laughs> I think we should dive straight in because we talked kind of on the show about Jamal Adams, Jets, free safety, three years into his rookie contract, all through the last year about where we stay, where we go. But now it's kind of ramped up massively. So I think I'll very briefly set the scene and then the between us will discuss how we feel this is going down. So Jamal Adams, um, arguably top five free safety, one of the best defensive players in the NFL has come out and stated, just which is unheard of, stated seven teams he would be happy to go to. Not that, like, I would like to move away. Seven teams he'd be happy to go to. Let me run through these teams very briefly. Baltimore Ravens, arguably the best team in football, I think, from last year. Dallas Cowboys, where he came from, another team that's very used to winning um, one of the top teams in the NFC. The Houston Texans, up-and-coming team, another winning season, young quarterback. The Chiefs, Super Bowl champions. The 49ers, Super Bowl runners-up. The Eagles, three years ago, uh, Super Bowl champions and best team in the NFC East last year. And the Seahawks, somewhere where you'll be guaranteed to get 10 wins and compete for the division title. He hasn't just named any teams. He's named probably seven of the top 12, if you were going to just put teams on paper, um, in the NFL that he would be happy going to. But he's kind of named these teams, but then he's also kind of very heavily um, put his stance that he wants to be a Dallas Cowboy. He was asked... It was filmed on someone's, on someone's smartphone and put on Twitter the other day. He was asked, are you coming to the Cowboys? To which he replied, I'm trying, I'm trying, bro. Um, so he's kind of made it extreme, couldn't have made it any clearer that he wants out of the Jets. He replied to a tweet from Marcus May, the Jets' strong safety, said, I'm going to miss balling with you the most. There is no intention here that he is going to stay. 
Um, the question is, should he be forcing a move? Uh, and what is there to gain? What is there to lose for the Jets? So I'll try to summarize this very quickly. In terms of why the Jets should let him go, sure, this is incredibly disruptive for the locker room if he stays now. He's made it very clear that he does not want to be a New York Jet. He does not see a future organization. He doesn't think that his talent, um, he thinks his talent is worth more than the New York Jets. So that sets a massive precedent in the locker room if he comes back. And basically, you've said to everyone else there, I am better than all of you. Um, the other reason they should let him go is he's worth a huge amount. The kind of trades that are being talked about are two first-round picks. That's a huge amount for the Jets over the next two years, and they can do a lot with those trades. In terms of why they should keep him, they currently have a top five free safety, and he's the 31st best paid free safety in the division. So, like, sorry, in the NFL. So that's a massive bargain they've got on their, on their books. They could build the franchise around him. And my biggest point I've got down here in caps is that the Jets have a chance to win now. You look at the AFC East, it has been cleared up by the Patriots having a kind of start, starting to rebuild in the way it hasn't been free for a decade to win. They do not want to blow this chance to dominate this division. It's a division where the oldest quarterback is Josh Allen at 24 in the same draft class as Sam Donald. They have a huge chance now in an open field to go and win this division. Why would you be trading away your best, your best talent? And I've tried to compare it briefly because I know we have a lot of fans from the UK. So the 2015 Premier League season as seen by an Arsenal fan. Now, <laughs> this season is remembered for Leicester City winning the league. Um, you know, shocked everyone. But that was a very disruptive time in the league. Chelsea and Liverpool sacked their managers. Uh, Man City had Pellegrini in his first year. United had Van Gaal in their first year. It was a very turbulent time. And it was a time when Arsenal came second and should have taken advantage of that turbulent time to win the league. It is the time, in my view, for the Jets to win now, not the time to trade away your best player. Tom, what are your thoughts on this? I'm sure you can hear my frustration with the whole situation. No, yeah, and there's some things that I, I'm smiling at because... As a fellow Arsenal fan, I felt that anguish during that year, as well as marvelling, obviously, at Leicester's incredible run. But also, I can see the anguish that you're feeling right now, given this situation. It's so tough. I think he's, he's well, he's by far the Jets' best player. And yep. he is, I think, the best strong safety in the NFL. He offers something completely different to anyone else. He is so physical. There's an amazing video, actually, that the NFL YouTube channel released where Jamal Adams basically breaks down some of the plays that he made with a few of the NFL analysts. And it's incredible the sort of detail he goes into. And he offers such a variety of options at strong safety. Yeah. People are saying... Sorry, Will. I was going to say, I mean, he's made contributed interceptions. Yeah. Contributed sacks. sacks. Contributed 273 tackles over his three years. That's not just three years when you know signing a player when he's in his late 20s. That is from rookie level, 273 tackles over three years. That's what you're losing. That's what you're going to try and replace if you lose a player of this caliber. People are saying that you can't build your team around a strong safety. Well, to that, I say, yeah, maybe it's not as valuable in averted commas, a position as maybe a quarterback, of course, but. If he wasn't such a valuable player, why would the, the Jets draft him with the sixth overall pick? Right. That is the point of the draft, is to try and pick talent, especially in the first round, especially in the first round. It's to choose players that you want to base your franchise around for years to come. And exactly. it's a real problem that the Jets have, that they aren't able to win right now and they're wasting talent. Exactly. And I think... Especially those top 10 picks in the draft. The way the top 10 picks in the draft work generally is the four or five teams that are desperate for a quarterback pick up a quarterback. 
And then the other five positions are described generally over the quarterbacks as the best players in the draft itself, the best overall talents, the players most ready to start in the NFL. And generally, those, those first 10 players do straight away start in the NFL and are quite successful. Um, people talk about uh, players having short careers, and that's why Jim Adams deserves to like, move himself on because how long a career is. Now, the three-year career length has been disputed by a lot of people because if you actually break it down by how good players are, it can be a lot longer. So I found out that if a player makes a Pro Bowl even once, their average career length is 12 years, right? So Jamal Adams has made the Pro Bowl twice. Um, he's three years into his career. But on the other hand of that kind of, that kind of argument, the Jets could feasibly keep him for another three years. He has one more year of rookie contract. There's a fifth-year option. And then they could franchise tag him feasibly. So yeah. they could have him for half his career. So if Adams is looking at that and he's thinking, right, this is the time to make my move, or his agent is it anyway, this is the time to make my move. I've got to go now before I get too ingrained in this and I lose another quarter of my career. I kind of see it. And that's where I'm coming around to the fact, that even though I started like this by seeming extremely frustrated with the Jets, am I actually frustrated at Jamal Adams as a Jets fan? Not massively. Would I be forcing the move in the same way he is? Possibly not in the same style, being this kind of, you can do a lot of what he's doing behind the scenes, but he's been extremely public about it. But if I was him, I would be probably wanting out. I'm not seeing myself a future here. You're looking at Adam Gase, the coach, and the number of players that have with Miami with him that have improved since he left. I was looking at this just before the show started. Quarterback Ryan Tannehill at the Titans, best year last year. Devontae Parker, the Dolphins wide receiver, best year the year after Gase left. Kenyon Drake moving to Arizona, having his best year. Jarvis Landry doing very well at the Browns after leaving. Minica Fitzpatrick, the only other kind of, or one of the only top three, four players as good as Adams in his position, having his best year with the Steelers. It doesn't, give you the feeling, even though they said they bring in Gase in for these great with young quarterbacks, great with Donald, you don't get the feeling that players are at their best. Le'Veon Bell came back and had his worst year ever on Darren Gase. I don't have that confidence, and clearly knowledge to my Adams, that there is a building process with the Jets in the sense that there are other teams where players go to that haven't had great years, but they believe something's being built. You, I can still somehow believe that more is being built in Cleveland right now with all their disruption that's being built in New York and it's an incredibly frustrating situation for any fan of the Jets, any fan of Jamal Adams, but you can see why he wants to move on. Where he goes is the question. I mean, Dallas Cowboys is the most talked about, isn't it? Well, yeah, no, absolutely. And it's really noticeable that he's picked, as you sort of hinted at in your summary early on, he's picked teams that he thinks he can go to and win. He obviously wants to make the most of his talent now and win. He wants to go and win a Super Bowl. He wants to get a ring. He wants to win games instead of spending his whole career fighting it out with the Jets. And he's not even asking. So there's so many of we'll talk in a little bit about a different player in the NFL looking for a pay rise. Jamal Adams, he's not asking for a contract extension. He is yeah. happy to go to any of these places and stay on his rookie contract, which is amazing, really. He and wants to go and just wants to win. He doesn't really, he's not, this decision is not made out of money. And the problem for the Jets as well you say, yes, there's a real turmoil in the division that they're in. But they, I, I laughed when you said the time to win is now. Maybe it is. I don't think the Jets are ready to do it. They've right. got their best player, if Jamal Adams leaves, would be Le'Veon Bell. And we don't really know where he's gonna, how he's going to do. He had the year out. Then he came back last year and was pretty terrible by his own sort of standards. They've traded away their best wide receiver in Bobby Anderson. They don't pay anybody. They're, yeah. not, they're not paying anybody. The highest paid player is CJ Mosley, who's a linebacker, defensive end, who was injured most of last season. And so you say, yeah, the time to win is now. But the Jets, 
really haven't, I don't think, set themselves up to make the most of this opportunity. And right. Jamal Adams certainly doesn't think so. And he's, he's ready to go. He's, he's off. And this, is, this has major repercussions for not only the Jets in general, it has repercussions for the career of the likes of Sam Darnold, really talented players yeah. who could go their whole career without succeeding because of the way an organization is run. And my, my final point is it's, this just sort of sums up a massive discussion that we often have about the draft and when the best players actually can end up going to the worst franchises, people like Jamal Adams picked with the sixth overall pick to the Jets. Sam Darnold went third overall to the Jets. Quinton Williams, everyone said he was the best player in the draft, went to the Jets. And these players can literally, as you say, lose a quarter or a half of their career, if not more, because of the place that they were drafted. Yeah. And the last point I'd make as well, and I agree with all of that, about the money we're talking about, is that in football, as we know in, in the UK, in soccer, um, the general theme is if you go to a better team, you will also be getting paid. And then when players make the argument, well, I wanted to win now, fans of the team they were from, like, no, no, he's wanted the money. So examples might be Raheem Sterling moving from Liverpool to Manchester He genuinely, I believe, wanted to win. It also came with a pay rise. Um, Van Persie moved from Arsenal to Man United. He wanted to win. He immediately did win. It also included a pay rise. In the NFL, going to a better team if anything, doesn't guarantee you a pay rise because they're already a good team because they've used up a lot of their cap space on good, good players they've already got to get themselves to be a good team. So if Jim Adams is after money, which I don't believe he is, he'd go to a ton of teams that aren't ready to win now. He is only interested in winning. And as that, as an athlete, as a competitor, you kind of have to respect him for that. He's got no, he knows he's going to make his money. He knows that in two, three years, he's going to sign a big contract. But he definitely wants to win now. And honestly, if he goes to one of these teams, I'll follow him there and I hope he does do well. Um, but we're trying to keep ourselves sight of the time. So we're going to move on to our, our second topic, which is another kind of player, where he stay, where he go, where he sign a contract. Dak Prescott of the Dallas Cowboys, where Jim Adams could end up. And Tom will talk us through this kind of situation. It's been bubbling for months, really, hasn't it? So it has been bubbling for months. And it really did all start years ago when Dak Prescott was drafted by the Cowboys in the fourth round. And they drafted him as a backup for Tony Romo. Tony Romo was their long-standing quarterback. They didn't have a problem with him. And Dak came in as, yeah, as sort of just a, a backup to fill in when he needed to. And he was needed straight away. He came in in the preseason when Tony Romo got injured and actually played so well that Tony Romo retired after that year and said, you know what, I'm not getting back in this team. Dak has made the Pro Bowl twice. He's led his team to two division titles, the Cowboys. But... He's been paid throughout that absolutely nothing. So in his first three seasons, because he got drafted so late in the fourth round, his rookie contract with a player playing at such a high standard is pennies compared to some of the other top, top quarterbacks, even taken in the same draft class as Dak. And now he's approaching the end of his rookie deal. He wants to get paid. He wants his money and fair play to him. Yep. Like he, and he wants to be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. Now, he's definitely not the best quarterback in the NFL. Absolutely no doubt. And I think even he would acknowledge that, even though all these NFL players, they think they're the best and they think that they are yeah. gonna, they're rightly entitled to as much money as, they, as they're asking for. But basically, he's saying, you've saved so much money on me over the last three years. Come on, now's the time to pay me. I've really given my all to this team. And so he has signed this week a franchise tag deal, which basically means 
The Cowboys, any club, any franchise in the NFL gets one franchise tag a year and they can place it on this player, which basically means that he can't negotiate a deal or go into free agency. He can only discuss terms of an agreement with the Dallas Cowboys. So he signed that. And if you sign that, you get signed on for one year and you're paid a lot. Okay, so yep. you're paid, it's either 120% of your previous contract, which for Dak isn't very much, or is it the average of the top 10? Average of, I think it's top, top five in your Average position. of the top five quarterbacks' salary. So Dak is going to get $31 million next year, which if you think that he made sort of around about two in his, yep. in his last three years, that is incredible for Dak. It moves him up to be the seventh top played player in the NFL but he wants a longer deal and he wants more money so he's asking for around about 38 million and he wants to sign a four-year deal with the Cowboys and where this gets really interesting is that the Cowboys they're not prepared to pay that money they want to sign him for something less but they also want him for five years not four they're thinking that the cap sort of space the cap um, cap limit will increase over the next few years as sort of inflation, as contracts get bigger and bigger and bigger. And they want to try and tie him in for as long as possible on what they're going to assume will be an actual, another bargain. Yeah. Whereas Dak wants to come out of his deal after four years, having earned a lot of money, still in like the prime of his career. We've seen quarterbacks enter free agency. Cam Newton, for one, who's still a free agent, come out into free agency and not get picked up by anybody because they're sort of, People have assumed they're entering the twilight years of their career, whereas Dak wants to come out a little bit earlier and make the most of another opportunity in free agency. It's, this story has got many sort of avenues to go down. Well, what yeah. are your thoughts on it? The, the four versus five years thing is a fascinating decision. It, it, you're right. It's about when the uh, new changes to the, um, the franchise tag and the cap limits will, will change. Um, I don't know if you watched The Last Dance, Tom, but... I feel like Dak Prescott has because that's a situation where Scottie Pippen uh, sort of have number two to Michael Jordan for the Chicago Bulls, signs an eight-year contract when he first kind of gets paid. And an eight-year contract in basketball is unheard of and it sounds incredible. And, you know, of course he signed it incredibly enthusiastically. That eight-year contract meant that by about five years in, he was something like the 300th best paid player in the league despite winning the league year after year after year, but he was tied into this horrendous eight-year contract. And I guess what Dak's thinking is, who knows what the standard will be for value of quarterbacks in four years' time? Yeah. And if he's going to be stuck behind the rest of them if his career extends that long, so he, what, he doesn't want the one-year contract, but nor does he want the five-year contract. It's an incredible <laughs> situation. Um, and it look, makes Jerry Jones, who's not known for his... Um, uh, Kind of lack of paying people, it makes them look extremely cheap right now because he's trying to find a bargain and he's not getting to this negotiation. They do pay players. So they pay Demarcus Lawrence. He's on about 16 million, almost 17 million a year. That's one of the highest paid defensive ends. Amari Cooper's locked in for a massive hundred oh, yeah. million dollar, I've been saying pounds, I think dollar, dollar deal, which makes him, which is basically what a, the best wide receiver in the NFL should be being paid. They pay Zach Martin about 11 million a year, one of their um, uh, offensive linemen. And people like Jalen Smith's around about five, Tyron Smith about 10. So I'm just literally naming, naming names and numbers here. But yeah. essentially the point I'm making is the Cowboys 
have a really full roster of highly paid players. Yeah, which means that means you have to you have to wonder. Going back to our previous discussion briefly, I'm not sure if that roster would have space for the kind of money Jamal Adams would need if they were going to pay him right now. Well, that's it. It's like, but but Jamal Adams could come on a rookie deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For for nothing essentially, and so yeah. this could be. We'll talk about it when we predict the NFC. I think. But he could be a missing piece to this Cowboys team that they're so desperate to win every single year. It's like, will this be the year for the Cowboys? One other sort of factor in this is, of course, the Cowboys have just brought in new coach Mike McCarthy. Yeah. So there's a lot of talk in the NFL about whether a new coach comes in, whether they actually want a certain quarterback. And so I wonder whether Mike McCarthy is just in the ear of Jerry Jones saying, I'm not quite sure about this guy. I'm not sure whether we want him for a five-year deal, whether we need him for five years. Let's just pay him the franchise tag, have him for a year and see what happens. But the problem for Dak is that this happens year after year. So last year, they were like, right, Dak's in the last year of his rookie contract. This is his time to prove himself. He proves himself. He does, he does well. He, the, it wasn't the Cowboys' best year, but he, he played really well, personally. He was one of the best. I think he had the best um, rating for a number of weeks as quarterback through for a load of touchdowns in the opening few weeks, certainly. And yeah. he just continues having to prove himself. And he's getting paid nothing. It's so... Yeah. And, he, and also, again, in the same division, we have to, again, like the Jamal Adams story, there's so many things. In the same division, he sees Carson Wentz, who's been signed up to a $200 million deal with the Eagles. Carson Wentz was drafted at the same time as Dak. And whilst the Eagles have gone on to win the Super Bowl... Carson Wentz wasn't the quarterback during that time. Dak's actually won as many division titles as Carson Wentz. And so he's saying, come on, I deserve this sort of money. And that's, and that's where part of me feels sorry for Dak. And it's hard to feel sorry for someone who's saying that he's been offered 31 and he wants $38 million. But <laughs> where I feel sorry for him is you have to feel that he's being unfairly treated purely because of where he was picked in the draft. Because if Dak Prescott had been a first-round talent, it'd always been known as a first-round talent from his day one in the NFL, I don't think we'd be having this discussion. I think he'd been paid like Carson Wentz was. He's played my, way more games than Carson Wentz. He's yeah. been injured every single year. Um, wasn't even there when his team won the Super Bowl. So I do feel sorry for that. But also the weird thing I would mention with kind of these new contracts, it does feel like every time a kind of top-tier quarterback needs a new contract, it's suddenly the top contract. It's not like, like Kirk Cousins. I believe is Kirk Cousins the top best paid quarterback in the division right in the league right now. He was until Aaron Rodgers and then Russell Wilson. You're right though; they keep yeah every time, and it will be Patrick Mahomes if he signs his contract. So it's almost just like when a quarterback's up for signing, that sets the new standard, even if they're not by numbers or by opinion or by wins necessarily the best quarterback. Then he seems to be able to ask for the next highest salary, and exponentially, the salaries do become absolutely insane. Um, so Dak Prescott still seeing if he can hold out to get a bigger deal. Um, I'm sure I'll updates about it as we go through off-season weekly because it will have to get concluded at some point. Also, on his heels, a certain Andy Dalton yeah. almost to say, well, we're going to give you one year because if you have one year and you have a great first half of the season, and Andy Dalton comes in and does as good a job. And that's the only thing that hasn't been proven with Dak is because he's played almost every game since he came in. And they've done you know, eight and eight last year at the Cowboys, far below what they should have been. Is it actually that he's just got a great team around him and with a better quarterback in uh, Jerry Jones' head, they'd be doing even better? Or is it just that the team's great, which makes Dak Prescott look great, and he's got a great running back, and he's got a great wide receiver? That's the only question you'd have, is if you stuck a different quarterback, like Sam Donald, if you stuck Sam Donald in that team last year, would he get eight wins? I think he would. Yeah. 
and they also have one of the best offensive lines. So that's right. a massive factor that plays into this whole debate, is that is Dak only as good as the people around him? Yeah, I believe are, you could stick a lot of quarterbacks that won't be asking for anything near Dak Prescott's money into that team and get the same results. And that's the thing about Andy Dalton, is obviously they can't play both quarterbacks. But I reckon even Jerry Jones is saying, if we had Andy Dalton last year, he'd have got eight wins. It's so that. savage, though. Dak is literally, he's such a good, well, I obviously he know, know him really well, but he has such great intangibles. Like, he is a leader. He literally runs the show. But there's just so many factors yeah. underlying his ability that, that people are just digging, 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 digging constantly at his ability. And it's, it's sad. It's savage. I just want, if you're ever going to watch any play from Dak Prescott, watch his run against the Seahawks in the year before last playoffs, when he takes off on a, th- a third and long with a quarterback draw, flips over one of the Seahawks defenders, gets the Cowboys to the one-yard line, vital conversion, they go on to win the playoff game. That just sums him up, and you can see him. He's passionate, he's driven, he's up for it. But it's, it's a saga that's going to keep on going and going and going, and it won't be sorted, I don't think, for months. Yeah. And even if they do sign a contract, then you're right. There'll be constant questions about his ability, about yeah. someone in the wings like Andy Dalton. And it'll just go on and on and on. And if he signs a one-year, if it is only a franchise tag, and then he gets injured two, three weeks in, and Dalton comes in and they win the division, <laughs> does that get signed? There are so many things that could happen. And that division, quite like its counterpart, the AFCs, is a very open division in my mind. I think given we're talking about that, we should move straight on to predicting the NFC for next year. We did the AFC last, last week. Um, we had some very interesting, controversial opinions about the Denver Broncos. Uh, <laughs> with Tom, as I should remind people again, saying that Drew Luck is a potential MVP candidate. Uh, anyway, see if he's got any surprises for us this week. We'll do the NFC. We'll start with the NFC West, a division of four extremely strong teams. Four teams, I think, could win divisions in a therapeutic division. divisions. Start. Um, Four quality organizations, all I would say actually moving forward or on a general forward trend. We have the San Francisco 49ers, so Super Bowl runners up, the Seattle Seahawks winning season every year since Pete Carroll started uh, there, the LA Rams, Super Bowl uh, competitors two years ago, and the Arizona Cardinals, who may have only won five games, but we know are a lot better than that realistically, again, playing against such tough teams. Um, Tom, next year, I think there's going to be another, another division where every game is watchable. Oh, this is my favourite division in the whole NFL. Yeah. Because there's so many exciting players in this group, so many exciting coaches, and there's so many battles that literally you don't know either way they're going to go. I wrote down that the NFC South could be the best conference in football. And then in my notes, I went on to the West and I was like, hang on, isn't this the best conference in football? It's, It's ridiculous. I think the, the, the big factor about this is anyone could win it. On the, like, if any one of them have a season, they could win it. And we, we, we personally, I think, on this podcast, are a big fan of the Cardinals and what they're doing. Something different. We like Kyler Murray. He's a bit of an on, underdog. A uh, small guy in a big league, making things happen. Cliff Kingsbury's coach, really exciting young coach. And then you've got the 49ers, who had a great season last year. The Rams, who went to the Super Bowl the year before. And, of course, the Seahawks with Russell Wilson. My main thoughts on the NFC West is I think that the emergence of the 49ers last season 
has generated so much fear in this division that sides have been prepared to take massive risks to try and get a step up on them. The 49ers, they've got an unbelievable defensive um, line led by Nick Bosa, rookie defensive player of the year. They've got the best tight end in the league in George oh, yeah. Kittle. They've got a great wide receiver core, the best young coach in Carl Shanahan, and a good to decent quarterback. But they said this has encouraged the other teams to take massive risks with the hope that they pay off because that's the only way they're going to get past the 49ers. The risks that have been taken by the Cardinals going for Kyler. They drafted Josh Rosen in the first round the year before and they took a massive risk saying, nope, we're going to change our direction. We're going to sign this college, um, college coach in Cliff Kingsbury who hasn't really won at college. He's just going to do something different. And we're going to sign this exciting young small quarterback that was a big risk, and we will, eventually we'll see if it pays off or not, maybe next year. The Rams, they traded two first-round picks for Jalen Ramsey. Two first-round picks for this quarterback that they hope can be the difference going forward. And they paid, we talk about quarterbacks getting paid, they paid Jared Goff a lot of money yeah. at quarterback. The Seahawks, another conversation that's come out this week, they are rumoured to be in conversations to re-sign Josh Gordon, who's had who's a fantastic player, but has had real trouble with his addiction to drugs. And our very own favourite, Antonio Brown, who could be making a return to the Seahawks. Antonio Brown, again, an incredible wide receiver, but has had a really turbulent couple of years outside of the sport. Just really, it's a, a whole can of worms that we're not even going to get into now. But those teams have been forced to consider or yeah. to take massive risks because of how good the 49ers are. I think talking about those two players in particular, I mean, there's no, I don't want to say there's no, one of the best player managers, man managers in the league is Pete Carroll. Yeah. In terms of getting things out of characters that may have previously had some baggage, had some controversy, but really get the head down Pete Carroll. But in a way, they seem to enjoy doing it. Because that's talked about with Bill Belichick and the Patriots, but that's kind of just like, you get your head down, you will win. People seem to love playing for Pete Carroll. And the Seahawks have dominated this division for kind of the last five years before the kind of Rams moved to LA and the 49ers got Jimmy G. So they, they've hung around. They haven't sat down. They still win every year and they, I think, are a massive contender um, for that division. The LA Rams have lost Todd Gurley, which, had, which was a bizarre season last year. The year before, he'd kind of single-handedly almost driven them to the Super Bowl. Last season, he had horrendous numbers. Didn't even score a touchdown until the later weeks and really didn't go well for him. So he's moved to Atlanta. Um, so I don't really know what to think of the Rams right now. Obviously, moving into their new stadium, which does look phenomenal. Uh, if you've got any pictures of that that they're sharing with the Chargers. So, and the Cardinals, yeah, I love watching the Cardinals. Um, they were unlucky in a few games last year. Kyle Murray was still learning every single game. Um, and I think they're going to give a lot of teams a tough game, especially in the desert out in Arizona. Um, where we talked about the AFC East last week as being this gritty, fascinating division, I think you may have said it just before, the blockbuster division is this one, every single game on TV. Um, we're going to make some predictions for it, though, as we did last week. Um, I'll try and start us off. I think, in my view, the Seahawks are actually just going to pit them this year. Um, I think Russell Wilson is a better quarterback than Jimmy G. And it's not just that. Um, but I think Pete Carroll won't have taken losing that division particularly well. Um, and I think some of the 49ers' frailties were shown up um, in the Super Bowl. So I'm going to say Seahawks, Niners, Cardinals, Rams oh. is, is, how, is how I'm going to put it. But those... Those top two and those bottom two, I'm kind of confident on the order. I'm not at all. Um, let me just put that in, though. So, yeah, I'm saying Seahawks, Niners, 
Cardinals Rams. What about you, Tom? There's definitely uh, two tiers in this, I think, despite the fact that we're excited about all four teams. I think 49ers and Seahawks are in a different league at the moment. There's a lot of talk at the moment from the Cardinals, especially their all-pro cornerback, um, Patrick Peterson, who's saying that this team is the best team he's ever played in. Like We've got championship calibre. Obviously, De- DeAndre Hopkins has been brought in. Massive, massive impact. And they draw yeah. our favourite, one of our favourite draftees in Isaiah Simmons. I would love to see the Cardinals go crazy next year. They're, they're my team to watch next year. One of them as well as the Denver Broncos. <laughs> but I, I think, yeah. For, well, for me, I think it'd be 49ers or Seahawks. Could go either way. Cardinals could... There could be two wild card spots taken from this division, I think. Oh, I think so. Absolutely. I think maybe the Cardinals could sneak in and in the wild card position, which would be a great result for them if they managed to do that in this division. And yeah. then maybe the Rams at four. So, did you have the Niners winning it now? Did I did, yeah. I did, yeah. yeah. Okay, so. So 49ers, Seahawks, Cardinals, Rams. Um, moving on to the NFC North. Now, I think the Green Bay Packers last year got completely, um, how's it, how to phrase it, overlooked as a performance. 13-3, and three, which, which gave them the same win record as the 49ers and the Saints. Um, Aaron Rodgers losing his coach and then coming back with Brett Favre and having, oh, Brett Favre, sorry. Why does it Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur, far Fleur. Uh, Aaron Rodgers coming back with Matt LaFleur um, and having a very, very good year um, with the Packers. Obviously, the Vikings weren't quite as strong. The Bears were a bit of a mess. Actually stumbled to eight wins, but Trubisky obviously really fell off from his previous year. And the Detroit Lions have a long way to go. <laughs> um, the Packers, I'm excited for next year, but they didn't draft an offensive player in the first round, which is what they desperately needed. Um, and so I really don't know what they're going to do next year. I'm excited for them. Um, the Vikings, I think, will have another strong year. Despite losing seven digs to the Bills, it's a big loss for them. But they've still got an extremely strong offensive line. Their defense is good. Um, and they're facing the Bears and the Lions twice a year. I don't think will give them too many problems. So I think like the previous division, but nowhere near as tight. There's definitely two tiers here. Um, I can see it being very similar. Packers, Vikings, Bears Lions, but I really like the Bears kind of becoming competitive again because that was really fun the year before uh, when they arguably should have gone a long way in the playoffs. Um, we talked about it right after the draft, Tom. Packers offense, where is that sitting for you? Well, this this division is is a real question about the quarterbacks for me. Yeah. So can Aaron Rodgers, despite the Packers drafting Jordan Love in the first round, a sort of a, a really rogue rookie, really rogue pick, especially in the first round, and many people took this as a massive insult to Aaron Rodgers. Can he demonstrate that he's actually worth the Packers investing multiple years in going forward? He's got a lot to prove, but he's a guy who I'm pretty sure is up to the challenge. He certainly acknowledged it. He's, he's saying, I, I back myself to be better than anyone who comes into this building. Wow. That's just exciting in its own. Then you've got a Bears quarterback battle as well between Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles, Super Bowl MVP. How will they get on? Who will it be even? That's going to be intriguing to see. For me, it has to be Nick Foles. If you bring in that guy, you have to put him straight in. But then how's that going to sit with Mitch Trubisky? Vikings and Detroit, you've got people like Kirk Cousins and Matt Stafford who've been around for a while now but haven't actually done anything with their franchises yet as such. I mean, Kirk Cousins with the Vikings, yeah, they did get to the play. They have been to the playoffs. But so much of their sort of game is based on their running play with um, Delvin Cook. Is that his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Delvin Cook. Yeah. 
So it's whether they pick teams can figure, figure him out. And then it's a real question of those two quarterbacks who would say they're vets now. We're saying they're vets, but yeah, they've, really, well. they've still got a lot to prove. And every single year, it's whether Kirk Cousins can win those big games. And he did, to be fair. I mean, we had a couple of <laughs> where we were like, firstly, where he's won give him a lot of shit. And then, then he won a playoff game, and it was like, okay, okay, you know, Kirk Cousins has got these uh, abilities growing into his contract, which was so massive when he got it, and almost a weight on his shoulders, that contract, I feel. Um, and he was taken from the Redskins with kind of like a bit of like, is he quite good enough? And I think he struggled with that doubt. He didn't kind of prove it immediately. But now he's growing into the team, growing into his players. They've got a great coach. Um, I think the Vikings aren't, still quite, aren't quite at the Packers level. No. Uh, I think it's not going to be as good a division to watch because I don't see Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky really um, being enough for the Bears uh, to go on a winning season even. Um, in Detroit need a whole revamp and there wasn't, there wasn't really any bright spots from their, uh, their time last year. So, Tom, are you sounding like you're fairly similar to me here with Packers winning it? So, yeah, I think our choices are going to be Packers, Vikings, uh, Chicago, Detroit, um, Vikings, I think, gonna have to play really hard to get into the wild card positions. This this NFC is the AFC is exciting, of course. And there are some really decent teams like Baltimore and like Kansas City. But in terms of competitiveness, this yeah. NFC as a whole, there are so many good teams. Yeah, absolutely. And now, not, not many of them in the NFC East, though. Not many of them the NFC East. Uh, a division for drama, historic division, a division for the rivalries. Um, with the Eagles, I mean, the excitement with the NFC East last year was we didn't really know until like the last week or two who was going to win it because the Cowboys just stumbled over the line, eventually didn't get over the line. Um, and the Eagles pipped them somehow. Um, Carson Wentz throwing to, I think what's been described as lawn furniture, just sort of yeah. chairs and stuff just out there. Yeah. All of the team, is, and then he got injured as well. The they were all injured. Then he got injured, yeah. um, uh, but somehow the Eagles won that division. Um, I think this year there are quite a lot of reasons to think it will be a higher quality um, division. You've got the Cowboys possibly bringing in Jamar Adams, or the Eagles, another team that was spoken about um, that he could go to, um, and the confusion around Dak's contract should hopefully be finished by now. Um, they picked up the wide receiver in the draft. C.D. Lamb. Lamb, who's uh, often seen as the best wide receiver uh, in that draft. The Giants have had another year of Daniel Jones, who hopefully be growing into that. I still don't think, I still, I still, I still think they're a long way. Uh, I mean, all the pieces in the puzzle in New York. And the Redskins, I'm actually very, very excited about. Yeah. Um, because they've got that quarterback battle um, that we talked about between Carl uh, Allen and Dwayne Haskins. Um, they've got Ron Riviera over from the Pampas, who I think is a great coach. Um, so Redskins are kind of coming up slyly um, into being competitive in that division again for me the Cowboys have to win now we've said this for the last two years both years we've done this show we've kind of marveled at how the Cowboys haven't won then we predicted them to win the ratio of us predicting them wins to them not winning is probably the highest of of any team because you see matchups and you go look at that roster they have to win surely and the fact it wasn't a winning season last year was, was so poor for them for me, the Cowboys win that division because even with Carson Wentz strength, even with the Eagles hopefully having less people on the injury bench, um, they won't be strong enough to beat that Cowboys. And they, you know, they only limped over them last year. Um, so for me, Cowboys, Eagles, 
Redskins winning a lot more than three games. I can see the Redskins winning six, seven games. Um, and the Giants, I'm not sure if they're quite, yet, they're, they're quite there yet. It's definitely the Cowboys to lose for me. We talk about their really strong roster, but don't forget they brought in Mike McCarthy. He's a winning coach. He's won the Super Bowl. He has done it all. And just like in Washington, with the bringing in a Ron Riviera, Mike McCarthy could be the difference in Dallas, and I certainly hope so. They've literally been saying for years that it's going to be this year. We're going to get back to our best. You've mentioned the draft. They did really well in the draft. CeeDee Lamb, Steph, um, Stephon Diggs' brother, Trayvon Diggs as well, coming in at cornerback was a massive decision. And compared to the Eagles, sort of the, those were two rivals in this division. They had a pretty poor draft, didn't they, Will, where they yeah. really picked up. Jalen Hurts was the only one of any real conversational value. And why do they need a backup quarterback in the second round? I'm excited to see Washington and New York. New York with Danny Dimes and Washington, as you say, new coach. And the defense in Washington could be really exciting with Chase Young coming in. He, on Instagram, is looking immense, honestly. I'm scared and I'm looking at him on my little phone screen. Honestly, him lining up against me. John, tell you what, Danny Dimes lining up with <laughs> Chase Young coming at him. He won't know what is coming at him. Oh my goodness. But yeah, I think I think you said Cowboys, Eagles, New York, Washington. That's the sort of where we're looking. Yeah, I think I think we're on the same page. I think it will be high quality. Um some better games than it was last year where it was I mean for a team when you look look through our kind of tiers here, Philadelphia's won that division with nine wins last year. Uh the other three divisions were one with teams with 13 wins. If I go back to last week's episode, got my page up here. Chiefs won with 12, Baltimore with 14, Patriots with 12, and Houston with 10. But I think they were a better team than Philadelphia. So, yeah, mental the team won that division with, with nine wins, and hopefully it'll be more quality next year. And finally, um, in our kind of slightly tighter, more refined show, which we hope you enjoyed this week, we go to the NFC South, which you mentioned earlier, you before looking at the West, earmark was a top division. And I absolutely agree with you. Um, I think it's going to be a hugely exciting division. You've got the Saints, who are a team I personally love. I think Drew Brees is overlooked in a lot of conversations. Um, and they are so exciting on offense. With Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Taysom Hill. Um, love watching the Saints. The Falcons, or seven wins last year, kind of slyly. They, you know, they haven't had a great last three years since their Super Bowl collapse. Um, but now they've got Todd Gurley back. They've still got Matty Ice, who posts very, very consistent numbers. Top eight quarterback numbers in terms of completions every single year and passing percentage. Tampa Bay, seven wins last year, but they are a completely different outfit now um, with Tom Brady coming in, with Gronk coming in to join him. I mean, everyone, they've suddenly gone from being, I think someone, I saw an ex-player being interviewed saying that in his like seven-year career at Tampa, he'd been on two, maybe three primetime games because he was injured once or twice. And now they've got three or four this year. I mean, Tampa are going to be fascinating to watch. Has Tom Brady still got it or is Tampa a retirement home? Did Gronk retire because he was injured? He, his back doesn't work anymore. He can't run. Or is he actually just took a year out, did some fun stuff, and now he's back as good as he ever was? So many questions, but so much to watch. And those games of Tampa are going to get huge figures, I'm sure. And then Carolina, which has a lot of very strong players. Christian McCaffrey, arguably best running back in the division in the NFL or on the best and the best paid running back in the NFL. Um, but is Teddy Bridgewater a starting quarterback? We're yet to see. Um, how did it go last year? Last year, it was the Saints, Falcons, Bucks, Panthers. The Saints, I think, will still reign supreme in that division. 
and the Bucks could either be second or fourth the way I see it. Honestly, please, uh, that is huge. I think the Bucks. Everyone's saying that. Like, is it just somewhere for Brady to go to retire? So half the games that they lost last year were by less than seven. So, and if you think that James Winston threw thirty interceptions, we did. He gave a team. To- 14 most games, didn't he? <laughs> so if you think they just need to iron out, if they just cut their mistakes at quarterback in half, then maybe they can double their wins. Not double their wins, sorry, but at least half the, their losses, essentially. So that is a, I think they're closer than people give credit. They've got, obviously, an un- not just Gronk, but they've got an unbelievable tight end core. They've got sort of three tight ends who could play anywhere, as it is in anywhere in the league, not anywhere positionally. <laughs> um, and they've got top wide receivers. They're really exciting, the Bucks. Uh, but this division, I, I, I think it is the best division in football, purely because the quarterbacks are absolute class. I'm excited to see how good Teddy Bridgewater can be now he's finally got a starting job. And here with Matt Rule, the new coach of the Panthers, they are going to defend, defend, defend. They spent all seven of their draft picks on defensive players, which is immense, really. And they're going to be really, yeah, they're going to be one to watch. And then, yeah, the Saints are brilliant. And the Falcons, they're still sort of mourning that Super Bowl loss. The Saints are incredible. They got their squad, their roster is just full of talent. They, I got down there, they got 31 first, second, or third round picks on their roster, which is the most in the NFL. 11 Pro Bowlers and six All Pros. They brought in Super Bowl winners. So people like um, Saunders, Sanders, Saunders. Emmanuel Sanders, yep. Emmanuel Sanders, the wide receiver. Jenkins from the Eagles, Malcolm Jenkins. They're brilliant. I think it will be the Saints. Bucks take the final wild card spot. It'll be between, between the Bucks, Vikings, and I'm praying for the Cardinals. It'll be between those three to get a wild card spot. And then the so Saints, Bucks, Panthers, Falcons. But this league, this division is going to be really hotly contested for sure. Yeah, I didn't actually predict my Indian there. So I'm going, I say second or fourth. I'm going to go straight down the middle. I'm actually going Saints, Falcons. Whoa! Bucks, followed by Panthers. They didn't have a run game last year, Falcons. They brought in Todd Gurley. If they get Todd Gurley up and running, that's 11, 12 touchdowns. Plus Matty Ice. Um, and Julio Jones still. I actually think the Falcons will surprise people. I didn't do my final wildcard spots. I gave two in the West to the 49ers and the Cardinals, which is tough to get two in one division because they've got to win a lot of games outside their division to get enough wins for that. My other one, I think, will fall to the Vikings in the North, but only just pipping the Eagles. It'll be between the Vikings and the Eagles for me. Because um, I think the Eagles will do pretty well against the Redskins and Giants in that division. I'm going to give it to the Vikings in the North. But I think just by the kind of the games you've summarised and the games we're excited to see, I'm really excited for the NFC. I'm excited for all football and remember that. We're excited for the NFL, man. Excited for the NFL. <laughs> so many of these games are, uh, are not you know, within the division. Each team is, remember, also playing four games across divisions. Um, so there's all of that to look forward to. Sadly, the Bucks aren't playing the Pats. That's what we all wanted to see. Tom Brady returning to Foxborough. Um, but hopefully he stays there two more years and he'll be able to make that move, which will be you know, Super Bowl-like ratings, I reckon, to see that return. But um, regardless, I'm extremely excited about watching the Cardinals, about watching the Cowboys, because every year we've got to see what they do. 
about watching the Falcons, the Saints, the Bucks. There's a lot of teams here I'm excited to watch. Um, and also talking about things we're excited to watch, the Rams and the Chargers have a joint hard knocks this year. Mm. Um, first time ever, sharing a stadium in LA. They're joining up the hard knocks. How are they going to do that? Whether you're going to switch from team to team. You know, meanwhile, in the other corner of LA, no idea. Um, but anyway, that's extremely exciting to look forward to. Um, and Tom, yeah, I mean, next week, who knows what we'll be talking about? Will Jim Adams have a different jersey on? Will Dak have a contract signed? Who knows? Um, but one thing's for sure with the NFL is they'll always throw up enough stories that have plenty to talk about in the way that nervous sport quite, quite does it in the off-season. Exactly. And I'm sure we'll be able to literally, as you said in the opening, in the intro, there'll be a tiny story that will be filled with many pathways of conversation that I am extremely certain that we'll be able to explore. Yeah. So with that, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. Let us know what you think. Let us know anything you want to talk about. Let, yeah. Let us know anything you want us to talk about next week. Um, and I guess in a few months' time, we will see how accurate these predictions are. I think six months today is Christmas Day. So we'll have a bit of a chance to look back at these predictions, see how close we were. Um, and other than that, we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Mahomes, timing route, down the sideline, it's caught, touchdown! Brady pumps, looking for Brown deep, and throwing for Brown, he's got it!